sorry. Right now, I'm joined on the line by Andrew Little, straight out of Wellington. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Jamie. How are we today, sir? Oh, very good, thanks. Yeah. A little bit cloudy and cool up here, but otherwise good. No, that's very good, very good indeed. Right, uh, let's hope the sun's shining uh, for you in the Labour Party this weekend. It's a Labour Party conference in Wellington. Uh, what's on the agenda, Andrew? This is our, I mean, every election year we have the election year Congress, so this is our preparation for the election. So the focus is very much on the candidates, the campaign managers, the campaign teams, uh, a little bit of training and sort of workshop on various things about that, um, and the, the uh, few speeches that you get, and not a great deal of policy, although there'll be some um, reasonably modest policy announcements um, through, sprinkled throughout the weekend, but very much the focus on what it takes to win the election campaign. Yeah, because of course you're going to have uh, new candidates coming in, new candidates that haven't really been in the political spectrum before, you know, I mean, I know that they'll, they'll know bits and pieces, but um, it's, it's a beast, isn't it? The game. <laughs> well, it is, yes. It's a multi-headed monster sometimes, yeah. sometimes it feels like. But um, no, we've got a good, we've got an excellent state of candidates. I'm, I'm very, very pleased, uh, particularly how our list is all shaped up and just the quality of the candidates coming through, the new uh, the, the new fresh faces that will come through and the depth of experience and skill and talent that they've got um, is just going to set up incredibly well. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, you know, you talk about talent and, and it's been um, a lot of um, uh, commentators um, fodder at the moment because they talk about the quota. Of course, Labour has a quota and they're saying, you know, if you, you've got a quota, you're going to be missing out on some other talent just uh, to abide by um, certain percentages of certain um, um, members of, of, the, of the population. Um, so, so why is it important for Labour to have a quota? Well, um, it's, it's not a structurally a crater, what I've always, I've always said is that certainly for the, the bigger parties um, we ought to have a caucus, you know, the, the MPs representing us, um, that is as reflective and representative of New Zealand as possible. So, of course you want, you know, you want the ethnic communities represented, you want that diversity. Um, we have a, a target of you know, 50% women in our caucus. We pretty, much, we pretty much will have that as a result of this list. But I don't think anybody is saying, when you look at the full set of candidates, we've got um, the men and women coming in on our list and who will be here will be returning as a result of the election, that we have anything other than a very high-quality bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think it is somewhat patronising for people to say, oh, well, just because you're, you know, you're, you're women and there's this emphasis on getting women in, somehow we've compromised on quality. We haven't. The women are outstanding. Uh, and as a consequence, we will have a caucus that is outstanding. Okay, okay. Um, we'd like to see the fact that David Clark is sitting at number eight. Um, you know, he's a, a very effective politician, uh, a great debater. Um, you know, is he the future of Labour? Um, the, Labour has a future in a lot of faces that are coming through. I mean, in those top ten, you've got, and you know, you've got Jacinda Grant Robertson, you've got David, you've got Megan Woods, you've got Stuart Nash, you've got Kelvin Davis. Um, uh, you've got a whole swag of, you know, Calvin Davis isn't on it because he's, he's not going on the list, That's but he's right. in our top, top 10 ranked in our caucus. Yeah. Um, we have a, yeah, a, a, a very fresh look and a depth of talent there. You go, you start going below that into the next sort of phase of 10 and you're getting some of the new faces coming in and, and some of the older hands as well. So I, I think we've got a very well balanced lineup and very energetic bunch. Mm-hmm. 
Well, of course, there's no Māori in the top 15. Um, you, all the uh, ones that are standing for the Māori seats aren't going on the list. But what would that mean in terms of uh, a cabinet if you get in? Um, it'll mean we'll have more Māori in cabinet. What it will mean is that we will have um, at least 12 Māori MPs in our caucus. It's the single biggest representation of Māori uh, in a single political party in the history of New Zealand politics. And, and it comes down to this, too. I've made this pretty clear, is that we are entering a new phase for New Zealand, the, the post-treaty settlement era. Yep. And that means that you know, we are going to have to do things differently, and that does mean that Māori are going to have to be, they ought to expect to be represented at every table, at every level of government. And with a caucus, a Māori caucus of 12, um, we will ensure, we will be able to ensure that that happens. It won't be what uh, happens at the moment. And this present government, where even with the Māori Party, um, the, the Māori MPs from the Māori Party are basically invited in at, at the wish of the national government into particular meetings, they don't have an inherent right to be there. Mm-hmm. That will change under Labour. All right, all right. Um, let's um, move to housing. Um, I want to talk about Dunedin um, because whenever we talk housing, we usually talk about um, Auckland or the the Upper North mm-hmm. Island. But um, you know, the average rent in Dunedin has increased by forty percent uh, in yep. the past five years, um, with sixteen uh, percent of that in the past year alone. Uh, house prices are climbing, um, but we ha- we have a lower in- average income to the rest of the country here in Dunedin. But we still so it makes us a little bit harder to reach that 20% with ever-increasing house prices, 20% deposit, um, yep. you know, and we kind of feel like that we, we, we've been left behind, um, you know, is there is there too much focus on Auckland and, and the, the Upper North, and uh, will Labour, um, you know, look at the country as a whole, because, uh, you know, it's not just here, there's yeah. Cromwell just up the road as well, there's Queenstown. Yeah, absolutely, and that's the, that's the thing, I mean, I think some people that the housing issue was mainly an Auckland problem. It's not. And I, as I've done the public meetings, done the tour of public meetings over the last two or three months, everywhere I've gone, including in Invercargill, you know, I, I went down to Invercargill, spoke to the public meeting there. I didn't even mention housing because I thought it probably wouldn't be much of a problem down here. You can get a decent house for 300000 bucks. Um, when we got to the Q&A part of the meeting, the first three questions were about housing, and it was all about how the rents are going up so rapidly because you've got property investors or speculators coming in buying up properties and hiking the rents. And that's happening around the country. And I, in Dunedin as well, mm-hmm. the house prices are going up. Um, our, our latest policy, Kiwi Build policy, which is the 100,000 homes over, over 10 years, um, half of those will be in Auckland, half will be across the rest of the country um, according to need. So there will be Kiwi Build homes built in Dunedin, as there will be in other parts of the country. I'll be making an announcement this weekend to the Congress about how we're going to deal with the issue of at least some of the speculators to um, stop giving them a tax advantage that currently they get that frankly they don't need and that's giving them uh, a leg up where next year is the first home buyers who we need to be helping. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to have some more struggling families here as of next year with the closing of Cadbury's. Um, mm. You know, and we've had quite a lot of our um, social housing stock sold off uh, by the mm. current government. Um, mm. You know, would Labour look at replacing those um, social houses, not just with the Kiwi building getting houses built, but yeah. getting um, yeah. you know cheap, affordable houses? Yes, it is. And in terms of social housing, absolutely. I mean, one of the things we will do uh, because we know that state houses are being run down, sold off, whatever is. Uh, saying to Housing New Zealand, 
not paying the government a dividend because they, the housing New Zealand's paid over $600 million in the last seven years as a dividend to the government. And so use that money to upgrade houses, build new houses, as state houses and other social housing. And we'll work with the social housing providers to make sure that there is you know, good, adequate um, social housing as well. Uh, so, you know, we do have, there are big changes we have to make for the total housing market to make sure that everybody has a roof over their head that they can call their own. That, mm-hmm. That's got to be the goal. That's what we're aiming at. Good, good. All right, let's move on to health now. Um, just quickly, um, you know, we're talking about the Dunedin Hospital again. Um, you know, uh, for, for the... The university is our largest employer, and the and the university, of course, is what has a world class medical school, uh, and we need a world class hospital to match that, and we need that to be close to the university, uh, or, or that can actually put the university at risk, um, and, and it's something we don't need. And we also need our services, you know, it's important to have the services provided to us by the hospital to stay at status quo. Um, yeah. Where does Labor stand on the Zanin Hospital at the moment? Well, we know we, we will we will. Uh, would accelerate the, house, the, the, the hospital build for Dunedin. We know it's been long overdue, um, and the, I, I visited the hospital there last year. It is absolutely kind of creaking at the seams. So that has to happen. I mean, part of what's happened is that, again, this government's cut $1.7 billion out of the health budget over the last six years. Um, our plan is to restore that over time. It won't happen in year one or in one fell sweep. It'll take us time to build up to it. But we will prioritise what needs to happen, but we do know that when it comes to Dunedin Hospital, that's a project that needs to be brought forward and, and we've got to get that underway ASAP and we will do that. What about um, centralisation of the hospital? I mean, there's talks of having it out in, up in Waikato where the um, Waikato Hospital is uh, and there's talks of maybe in South Dunedin, uh, but the university is saying, and I think the majority of Dunedin public is saying, we need it here near the university and we need it to be a teaching hospital. I, would, I, cannot, I cannot conceive of the hospital being anything other than um, closely allied to the university. It's a teaching hospital. You've got the, you know, uh, uh, one of our top medical schools there in Otago. Um, the hospital is going to be you know, um, in close proximity to it. So I, I don't anticipate moving the location of it at all. Uh, that's fantastic, and that's exactly what Tanita wants to hear. Um, all right, um, yeah. And will you reverse? Will, will you just quickly, uh, last one? Uh, will you look at reversing the cuts to DHBs that National has brought in? Uh, will you increase yeah. funding by m- more than um, what National has stripped back? Because the, you know the DHBs are struggling. Yeah, uh, and you got eleven out of um, twenty. How many of them now? Twenty-four, I think, are now running deficits. Uh, some are quite significant deficits. Um, and the reality is that the funding has not kept up with the, the the population changes that are happening, both the ageing of the population and the growth of the population. That's why, you know, we use this figure of $1.7 uh, billion. That's a bunch of independent economists calculated. That's the effect of underfunding of the health system at the moment. So we will restore that. It'll take us a few years to do that. Um, as I say, it won't happen in one fell swoop. Uh, we're committed to restoring the effect of cuts to health services. All right, brilliant. Well, we'll have to leave it there, Andrew. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. It's been a pleasure as always. And we'll see you in two weeks. See you, right, see you, mate. Andrew Little there, leader of the Labour Party, of course. Uh, we're talking health, we're talking housing, and we're talking the Labour list. I like the look of the list.